broadcasting from the great city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, home of the Franklin Institute. This is the TeacherCast Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to another episode of the TeacherCast Podcast from TeacherCast.net. The TeacherCast podcast is a weekly show where we discuss the 21st century technologies that teachers need to utilize in their 21st century classrooms. Today we have two wonderful teachers to talk with us about their uses of technology in the classroom. From the great state of Arizona, we have 8th grade teacher Carrie Fields. Hello Carrie, how are you today? Hello, I am very well, thank you. How are things out in Arizona? Quite warm. (laughs) About how warm would you say it is these days? Uh, let's see, today's high was about 112. You're going to tell us it's a dry heat, so it doesn't really matter, right? Well, usually it is a dry heat. However, recently it has been quite humid, making it feel almost 120. Oh, so, that's amazing that you're out there. Where in Arizona are you? Uh, the southwest, um, very near the um, California border. I would say San Diego is about, depending on how fast you drive, about two hours away. Nice. Is it a is it a city? Is it a, like a deserty area? It's a, it's a deserty city. <laughs> yes. Wow. I've got some friends that live out in New Mexico, and I've got a, a relative that lives out in Maricopa. Do you know where that is? Yes. Uh huh. So I, I've been trying to get myself out to Arizona, but I don't know. That's 120 degrees. And I'll stick with Philadelphia. Right. Right. Well, thank you for coming on the program. And from the great state of Virginia, we have Christopher Hoover. How are you, Chris? I uh, hanging in there, doing great. Looking forward to the back to school season, getting ready to to jump right back in. Have you already begun doing your back to school shopping? Uh, actually, the, in Virginia, we had a tax holiday this weekend on all school supplies. So uh, my wife went out and and uh, she's third grade teacher, and uh, I, I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth band. And so she stocked up on a bunch of stuff for her classroom, and I usually keep it low key, so I didn't have to get too many things. So, but. Uh, that's about it. I always like this time of year. I used to work at Staples, and we always used to have the uh, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year playing all throughout the summertime. <laughs> yeah. I oh, love, yeah. I Kids love that love commercial, it. but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a doozy of a time. But, um, and is it 120 degrees where you are? No, no, no. I think uh, with the humidity, it might feel like about 95, but, uh, which is bad enough, so I can't <laughs> imagine what it feels like in Arizona. It's about, a, it's about 90, 92 degrees today out in Philadelphia. Um, Well, thank you again, guys, for being on the program. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Really, the focus of today's show is going to be the apps that we use and how we use them on the classrooms. Um, You know, I I asked Carrie and I asked Chris before the show to have their iPads ready, and we're going to do a big round robin later on in the show over what apps do we use and what are some of the new technologies that we can be looking forward to using in the classroom this year. But but first, I, I just like to you know, get to know you guys a little bit. Carrie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and where do you teach and what do you do? Um, I am an eighth grade uh, language arts teacher, English teacher. Um, I teach at Castle Dome Middle School here in Yuma, Arizona. This is going to be my 13th year teaching. Um, And I have pretty much ever since I began teaching, uh, from the early days with my clamshell iBook, <laughs> uh, connecting it to uh, the TV in my classroom, have always in some way, shape, or form used technology because I always saw it as an interest to me, and I knew it was an interest to students. And so it always was um, 
a way to get the students involved because it's it's just a really neat platform to bring forth curriculum. Um, and I'm married. My husband's a fireman. Um, and I have three great kids. Excellent. Excellent. What color was your laptop back then? <laughs> back then? Um, well, the it was the... The uh, Blueberry Ooh, Clamshell blueberry. iBook. I, I was yes. just watching the uh, the Steve Jobs. Uh, uh, it was on YouTube, of course, but where where he demonstrated the first clamshell notebooks and ooh, it comes in all these colors and look, right, it, look, right. it has a handle and everybody was ooh, it has a handle. <laughs> Didn't they call those the toilet bowl models or the toilet lids or something? Well, yes, it looked like that when you carried it with the handle. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, tell us a little bit about what you do out in uh, Virginia. Uh, well, uh, this will be my 15th year uh, teaching in Virginia, but my uh, first school back way back when is right when the internet was starting to take off, and I had gotten myself in a little bit of a pickle because I started to um, make an MP3 collection, Ooh. and uh, the MP3, now not illegally, let's say, just collecting, I'm ripping CDs for my kids to listen to. And I wound up crashing the school servers because they they were trying to figure out where all their space had gone. And I didn't realize how much space I was taking up. And nobody really knew what they were doing back then either. So uh, quite quite a long ways we've we've come from then. But I've been using computers in the classroom for quite a long time. I still like the old chalkboard when necessary. But um, I I do appreciate what technology is capable of doing, and having you know worked on developing apps for the the iPhone and iPad, um, it's it's just a lot of fun to see how we can use this stuff to to make our lives easier. But at the same time, um, it makes it a little more complicated. So it's a it's a balance between trying to get the the kids to do what they do best and what we do best. Do you still have chalkboards at your school? We have whiteboards, and uh, I, they just put in smart boards at my school probably three years ago. Uh, so every room has a has a, uh, a whiteboard, and I have one one whiteboard, one board with five lines for the musical staves, and then the smart board occupies the far right. And um, so I use all three. Hmm. Excellent. Uh, Chris and I share a, a very common interest. Chris is a band teacher. I'm an orchestra director, so I've been wanting to get Chris on and, and talk to him about what he uses smartboards for and how does he use technology. So I'm, I'm looking forward today to some of the things that Chris is bringing with us. Um, Carrie, y- you said that you've been using all these different technologies for the last you know many years. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's new this summer that you've seen that you might want to be implementing that we should know about? Well... Um, just this summer, I, I um, got the iPad 2, and um, so I will be looking to use that in my classroom. Um, I don't really have the connector to do it yet, but I, at this point, I use a document camera, and I just figured that we will use the document camera as sort of a way to get the, the image projected onto the, uh, the whiteboard. What's a document camera? Uh, it's a camera that literally... Um, hovers over a space provided for you where you can put a, an actual like word document um, forms whatever um, that projects onto my Promethean board okay so, it, so is, it, it, is it like an overhead it's really cool it's like an overhead but better because uh, it's an actual image of whatever you put 
on on that document space. Okay. So literally, I'll put the iPad there with whatever app we're running, and it will project onto the Promethean board. And what were you? And did you have an iPad before? Yes, I had. I had the first one, uh, and then when this summer I was fortunate enough to go to Philadelphia to the um, ISTE conference. Ooh. And I was lucky enough to win my iPad too. Oh wow! Oh, so I, I was. I wanted to really go to that excited. conference. Unfortunately, I found out about that conference a little bit too late, and and uh, didn't have a chance to go. It was you know it was right in my backyard here. But uh, right. how, how was the conference? Oh, it was amazing. It was nearly twenty thousand people. Oh wow! And it was just amazing, just um, wonderful. So many resources. It just you. You know, you might become overwhelmed, like, oh, my gosh, what do I do first? Well, the idea is to not become overwhelmed and take one little piece and then work with it and then go back and and, and see what you like the best. Chris, so. you've been using your iPad for a while, too, right? Um, I, I actually one of the geeks who kind of stood in line for that first one. <laughs> um, and uh, it, I, I was thinking the whole time, this is just a giant iPhone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then when once you you really do it's just as 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 they say you know once you touch the device and you get your hands on it and really kind of feel it out it really is much different than you expect so um yeah the the first iPad you know had had a ton of fun with it started to develop some really basic soundboard type apps for children um animal sounds things like that um and uh one of the biggest differences that that got me from from Apple's perspective that they they forced on developers which is um one of the things that makes the iPad so cool on the iPhone, the same app, whether you have the phone up or left or right or whatever, the app stays the same. But on the iPad, Apple won't let you get away with it. Um, when you turn the device 180 degrees, the app has to turn with you. It, it, there's there's no uh, getting around it no matter who you are. So I actually had to figure out how to code the app to be not just larger for the iPad, but to play the iPad's rules, and which which are a bit different than than the iPhone. And then, of course, the iPad 2's best feature for me is just that smart cover, and you just pop it off, and you don't have to swipe to open or anything, which makes using it much easier for me. I just a year of the first iPad and tapping the button and then swipe to open. I mean, it's only three seconds, but <laughs> it was like three seconds times fifty a day times 365 days a year and uh you know i wound up saving like four or five minutes of swiping so um th- that smart cover is, it, it is really actually pretty cool did you get a smart cover carrie no i actually um got a um a keyboard case it's a kensington keyboard case and the reason i love this so much is because um, I do take a lot of notes, and it's just the functionality and the portability of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, um, while I did want the smart cover, I just saw this as it's more like um, a, a notebook you could carry around. And yeah. it literally looks like a book. And I open it up, and people are like, oh, my God, because it looks like... It looks like a little miniature netbook, and I hate saying that because I'm so pro Apple. But it, it's just—it looks really, really—it's just awesome. I love it. Chris, do you have a keyboard for your iPad yet? No, I, I have had gotten so used to the phone and the autocorrect 
how it, it can be quirky and whatnot. It, it was a pretty easy transition to to use the keyboard on the screen for me. Um, but I, I've one other thing that I forgot to mention is comparing the two um, with the smart cover, especially is the smudges. That screen just got filled with smudges, and I would clean it probably twice a week trying to get all of it off. But this the the way the the cover is designed, if you just put it in your case and it just barely kind of moves a little bit, your your glass uh, the screen is basically brand new every time you open it, which is a that was another big headache with the first one is the smudges all the time. So that was the other thing that was cool. Nice, nice. I, I don't have a smart cover for mine. I, I did a couple days ago on a uh, gift certificate. I picked up a Logitech Bluetooth keyboard, and I'm looking forward to using it. I, I've been – the last few months of school, I've been taking my iPad and my MacBook Pro to work, and uh, I've found – I've been leaving my laptop at my desk and taking the iPad to class um, – which kind of brings us around, like, um, Chris. What apps are you using in your music classes? Um, for educational purposes, sometimes you know, and I'll get. I have the adapter to take this thing from the to a VGA cable, okay, so that it can connect to my um, projector. So cool. you can't interact with the projector. So it's not it's not a smart board anymore. You just basically it's a just a you know the, the iPad connected to the projector, um, but you can you can show the kids just about anything and uh, just not so educationally. Just to begin, Google the Maps app. Um, we were taking a trip to Bush Gardens here in Virginia, which is about two hours from where I am, and uh, some of the kids had never been outside of our town. And I just said, okay, well, let's take a look here. And I put in Bush Gardens, Virginia, in, in the Maps app on the smart board. And um, not only do you get, of course, the map, but if you tap the uh, street view icon, there's a little person that's orange. Uh, it actually takes you inside of Bush Gardens where you can kind of walk around. And kids are just like, whoa, that is so cool. And I was like, yeah, if you were really good this year and uh, you know kept your nose clean, you get to go. So <laughs> it's just one of those things I like to, to do. But um, I think at the, the very beginning of the year, in contrast, Keynote – um, I always start my year off with a couple of quick, you know, here's here's how we, we want to run our classroom, everybody. So I start with an, a keynote presentation, and it, um, you know, it, it goes right up onto the board real nicely. It's very, very slick, very clean, and Keynote's just such a solid app to begin with. So you can just do everything on your desktop, and then um, some of the fonts and effects won't won't transfer correctly uh it'll kind of water that down but keynote's also a pretty pretty slick app to use for the classroom now let's back up just a little bit here um carrie you teach eighth grade are you teaching a single subject or are you teaching every subject no i teach eighth grade english as well as um i am the avid uh, elective teacher and what, for does, eighth grade. what does that mean um, AVID is a 30-year-old program that um, promotes uh, a college uh, readiness atmosphere for students. And um, it is well, we're going into our third year here at Castle Dome Middle School. Um, I am also the site coordinator for that program. And it stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. And students go through a selection process. It aims to, uh, to reach students in the middle, not necessarily all the gifted kids, 
and not the kids that are in an intervention type of class, but the ones that just are sitting in the back of the classroom and just barely getting by. But with a little bit of support, they would do well in an advanced placement course, which would then facilitate them to get to um, uh, college and accept it to a four-year college. So you're really starting them early. You said eighth grade. Does it start in seventh grade, or is eighth grade the first year for this type of a program? No, this program is at our school, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Sixth, seventh, and eighth. So really, at, at a sixth grade level, you're trying to take these kids and get them ready for the college track. Exactly. And is that exactly. is that a, a rounded education? Does that include math, English, science, or? Yes, it, it is. Um, it is very strong in uh, supporting the core curriculum: math, science, you know, English, and social studies, as well as exposing the students to um, simple things like how to fill out a college application, how to become better public speakers, you know, how to look at someone in the eye and, and prepare them for a conversation and, and not be shy. It pulls them out of their shell and gets them more uh, ready for a college interview and to be accepted to a four-year college. That sounds like an amazing program. I wish I it had is. when I was growing up. Right, right. Yeah, really. It's it's nice that like your kids are going through this kind of a college prep program. You know, you had mentioned public speaking and, and, and you know, that just kind of brings around to the next topic here of what technologies should we be promoting as teachers? Should we promoting should we be promoting the skill of blogging? Should we be promoting the skill of not necessarily public speaking, but being able to present yourself digitally? Um, I'll just kind of throw the question out, but what should we be promoting and how young should we be promoting these skills? Hmm. Um, at my school, they, there's a a program to, um, that the library actually runs that educates the kids on, and basically they're, they're, they're taught that no matter what you put online at some point, someone will know about it. Um, and it can be anywhere from a text message uh, to a photograph that you take and post anywhere that you may think is private. So they basically are trying to get the kids to understand that, that there's really no such thing as privacy when you are on the Internet. And uh, no matter how safe someone may lead you to believe it is, that at some point somebody's got the keys and can expose it. So they're trying to promote safety, and in, in, I think more than anything lately. Yes, I, I definitely agree. Um, we have that same sort of program here on our campus. Considering uh, things that occur in the in our world today, we have to be very careful in ensuring that our students at any age, even down to the elementary, um, about Internet safety and and giving out what information and, and where. Should we be teaching blogging as opposed to going and reading some Huckleberry Finn and writing a term paper about it? I think blogging about Huckleberry Finn is fine. Yeah, I think making sure that kids understand that writing um, and reading uh, is always good. You know, the, you know the, we, we have the students do a lot of free writing uh, in class and blogging, although, you know, some would argue that it is or isn't journalism. The the point is that uh, with with the kids having the tools they have access to, 
I don't think there would be anything wrong at all with them writing a few paragraphs on what they thought about uh, a particular subject, whether it was what they did in school that day or Huckleberry Finn. I have to ask the question since you're an English teacher, and this has come up on a few of our podcasts, Carrie. Should we be teaching cursive? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Please, yes. I have to ask that question, I'm sorry. I I really think it should start earlier, because by the time they're in eighth grade, they're already set in their ways. There's nothing I can do at this point. but I definitely see a place for it in the elementary, fourth, fifth grade. Yes. Well, if it puts your mind at ease, my my wife's third grade and she does, um, she teaches language arts as well. And she, she teaches cursive. Um, but she has noted that the students just really don't understand how to read it. She's. It's harder for her to actually get them to see to to read something in cursive than to actually write it. And it's just she doesn't. You know, we're we're too old to really get that part. But it's, she she's just baffled that they the 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 writing isn't so simple for them. But they just they can't read it. You know, we're we're sitting here right now putting our lesson plans together and trying to figure out what we need. And I don't have any kids yet, but I I can only imagine that all of our parents are out there doing that. You know staple shopping spree they're buying their pencils their pens their book bags and stuff Uh, what else should we be requiring them to purchase um should we be requesting that they bring in flash drives should we be requesting that they bring in you know a certain amount of apps for their phone these days what what kind of shopping digital shopping list should we ask our kids to get oh well that's a that's an interesting question because of the socioeconomic implication there is a lot of times the schools are the ones supplying most of this kind of thing and um as far as like thumb drives or or, or that kind of thing a lot of the storage uh, in our district is done uh you know on on a local server or whatever so the kids don't need to really do any kind of file swapping or anything like that so um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. A lot of them show up with their cell phones, but <laughs> they're not supposed to. They're supposed to be off anyway, but um, that's about all the technology most of my students have. Right. Um, I actually encourage students, if they have like an iPod Touch, and even in the low socioeconomic area I, I'm in here, um, many of the students have them, and I do make app rep- recommendations for their iPod their iPad, iPods, and um, there's even one or two students that ha- actually have an iPhone, and I make recommendations for them. Um, if students can afford or can get a, one of those little jump drives or flash drives, I ask that they have that. If they don't, then I have them for them. Uh, to, I have them to loan uh, in the event that they need to type something out and then finish it at, at home. I had a friend but I don't, I don't require it because, like I said, it's it's really difficult, especially in this these hard economic times, to to get parents on board with. Okay, you need to have this flash drive, and it's twenty bucks, and parents living paycheck to paycheck. It's just mm-hmm. hard. I had yeah. a friend of mine tell me that she went to a bunch of the teacher conventions only for the purpose of going to the booths and getting free thumb drives for her kids. <laughs> I yeah. know, totally. I mean, you can, yeah. I, I, look, in reality, you can go to Walmart 
and get an 8 gig flash drive for $6. But in reality, also, you know, should we start off the first day of class and say, all right, everybody go to your computer, sign up for Dropbox? Should we say, you, you know, here's a free 2 gigabyte file storage system, it works anywhere on the planet? Um, should we be requiring kids to sign up for these kinds of things? Hmm. I, I, I haven't had, I mean, with some of the middle school kids that I've had, some of their parents are still not really comfortable with, uh, in sixth grade, especially in seventh and eighth, they, they, they relax a bit, but even the, the concept of email or anything like that is just, um, not comfortable for, for a lot of the parents. And we're still kind of in a, uh, transition from, from, I would say like a digital immigrant where we're just the parents are kind of familiar with technology or facebook those types of things where the kids are kind of bathed in it and they're used to it um so we're still in this transitionary period where not everybody's quite comfortable with especially administrators um and i don't know it's just sometimes the the liabilities associated with some of the stuff i don't even know that dropbox is not blocked at my school that's one one failing of of uh, having to access things online is you just at my school I don't know what's blocked or not half the time and some days some things are blocked and some days some things are open so if I were to say use Dropbox and then the school decided that it takes too much bandwidth they're going to cut it off. Yeah, that's a good point. So that was the the problem with YouTube is they 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 came right out and said. YouTube is is fine. We understand that that it serves an educational purpose in some points. Um, however, if half the schools on YouTube, nobody can get on the internet. So that was kind of um, one of those things that uh, drove it drove it into the ground for us is that uh, nobody could nobody could surf the internet while the other people were on YouTube. Which kind of brings us into our next topic here, but let's talk about the uses of technologies in our classrooms. Things like Skype, Twitter, the new Google Plus that just that's going to be hitting soon. Should teachers be using these types of tools? I, I saw an. Our, our, I, keep, I hate to keep being butting in, Carrie. Um, that's okay. <laughs> the, the there's an article. I think it was U. I can't remember USA Today or uh, something. I read. Uh, just recently that had asked that question, What at, at what point should your kids be on the social networks? Um, and uh, uh, a lot of people, or should, excuse me, should teachers be including their students on their social graph? And uh, the, the answer was quite mixed. Um, I personally don't want to friend any students and uh, they actually quoted a band director in this article he's like these are not my friends these are people i teach and um and another teacher said well you know having them as a friend on facebook actually helped me you know talk them off of you know uh, something that they you know were, were contemplating doing something terrible and the teacher was able to reach them so i can see the 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 benefits but the risks as well when it comes to the the whole social media thing. There's always good uses, but there's always going to be a few few bad apples in there. Right. I I encourage my students to um, 
join Twitter and I specifically tell them, don't friend me, don't friend request me on Facebook because we're not friends. I'm your teacher. Um, but I do recommend that they get a Twitter account and um, safeguard it with all the, the safety features they can. Um, and they follow me, Yuma Teacher, at Yuma Teacher. And I basically use it as a communication tool, not only for my students, but for my parents as well. If something's coming up and the parents can get the Twitter feed just like the student can, and they say, oh, oh you have a test today in Mrs. Fields' class. Did you study? And just it's a, a nice communication tool. And if you put the safety guards in place, then I'm not saying you can't get through it, but I haven't had a problem yet with it. What are some of the ways that we as teachers can protect ourselves? You know, for instance, I have a personal Twitter account, which I use. And I also have one that I've made up for my classes that's on my class website that I made up. Now, the one that I have for my personal life, it's completely blocked. If you want to be my friend, you have to ask permission. Um, But my school site, of course, is posted on my website. I would love it if all of my students and parents would subscribe to it and I kind of use that to showcase what the homework assignments and such are. But what are some of the other things that teachers can do to more, you know, protect ourselves from the the pressures of the outside world, I would say? Hmm. I I actually had the opposite problem. You you said you blocked the um, your your personal one and you opened your school one wide open. Is that what you said? Yes. I had this. This is what happened to me. It was embarrassing. I I opened a Twitter account for my for my teacher. I I don't mean to go off topic on you, but I opened this t- a Twitter account for my uh, for my students and my parents to follow, and I'll put out what the assignment is or when the concerts for me are coming up or when the after school practices. And it, you know, it, I don't have but maybe I don't even know ten followers on that in two or three years because I locked it down. Now the the problem I had before I locked it down was I was getting spammed to death on, uh, and I didn't realize it. I wasn't checking it frequently enough. I guess it was partly my fault, but I would have a parent join and they would just be curious as to see who else was following me. And they would just see these, you know, horrible (laughs) spam things, uh, show up on, on my, and then I think that really kind of threw some parents for a loop. So how do you handle the, if it's wide open, how do you handle keeping up with the, the, the spam lurkers out there who just join everybody? I've been pretty good about things. Um, you know, for my personal account, I don't let anybody on I- unless they're friends of mine. Or, you know, I meet them by doing podcasts and stuff like that. Um, the teacher cast site that we're on, I, I do get a few people that... Uh, Send me some links of questionable nature, let's say. <laughs> exactly. And um, I'll, you know, but they're not showing up on my website. You know, okay. the, the way that I have the, the, the Twitter bar, it's not an ingoing and outgoing thing. It's strictly set up for whatever I tweet out. It's on, you know, it, that's what shows up on the website. And usually I, I teach my class and go back to my office, pull out my phone, put the little Twitter homework on, and it pops up within, you know, five, five or ten minutes of the classroom being over. Um, I, I only really have, like you said, I only probably have six or eight, maybe ten Twitter followers on my school account. I haven't had any negative traffic from that, actually. I've been pretty lucky on it. I, 
I, I think I'm in the same boat as you guys. At the beginning of school, I do you know we do back to school night, and I talk to all the parents about Twitter and how I'm going to be a good communicator this year. And the parents are like, "What's what's Twitter?" I get the same thing. I've done it two years. This will be year three. Uh, where where the first year I might as well not even have spoken because they were just like uh, eyes of glass. They just whatever. Last year they were like, oh, I've heard of it. And this year probably will be, hopefully, um, oh yeah. That most of them will probably at this point have at least understand how Twitter works. So then if they don't actually have an account, go okay. Well, probably more than just me in the buildings is, are, are going to be pushing you know, this type of thing to keep up with homework. Cause it's, it's just so easy to do. I just, uh, there's no excuse at this point for somebody not to, to, as a parent anyway, to, to go ahead and just get the account and, and just follow their teachers. Right. I think that's a really good point, Chris. I also set it up the same way Chris has, um, just the reverse. My personal one, um, is not locked, but my teacher one is locked, and I clean it out at the end of every year so that like former students can't stay on there because I use it for an informational piece specifically for my classroom students and their parents. Mm. And and I don't lock my personal um, just because, to be honest with you, I just don't use it very often. I consume more information than I produce, I would say, when it comes to my personal life. Um, so I, I like I like to read what other people are doing, but I just feel like most of the time, <laughs> no one cares what I'm doing. So I don't <laughs> I don't I don't bother sharing it because I'm like, you know, you know, my wife likes to to, to uh, you know get on Facebook and let it you know put the family pictures out there and that kind of thing. And uh, I'm I, I love to share the photos, but I just you know, words. I'm just not very good at sharing them. So <laughs> I, I know from my personal account, I, I rarely use it to send stuff out, but I, I've got such this diverse, you know, um, persona here. I mean, if you look at my personal accounts, people I'm following, I've got everything from, from sports people to music people to a few family things to podcasters to government. I mean, nobody yeah, wants to look my, at all that stuff. And that's why I have it locked. I don't want to have anybody saying, ooh, he likes wrestling. I'm, you know, ooh, yeah, I'm going to go and talk to him about that. This I, is my, that's my personal news feed, really, is when, when I want to know what's going on. I just exactly. I fire Twitter, and then I know what's going on with my sports teams. I know what's going on with my local news. I know what's going on with national news. And then if there's anything else – you know, gossipy wise that I want to know about Apple, I'll see it right there. So this is kind of my news feed. I don't really put a whole lot on my personal Twitter. So I just more, you know, more read, read type of thing. Do you guys keep a blog? I won't butt in. Carrie can answer that one. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I switch it up every year. So I just cleared one out and I'm every year I start a new one. Do you, do you think it's a good so, idea for teachers to be blogging? It's really time-consuming. So if you've got the time and the initiative, yeah, go ahead and do it. But um, I found for the past couple of years it's been really Mm time-consuming. And what I normally just blog is for each different class with the information that we did in 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 that day's lesson. And what I found is that um, students look at the blog, they comment on it, and it kind of helps cement that day's lesson. But like I said, it's very time-consuming, and I'm just look, looking for a way and open for suggestions on how to um, 
make it so it's not so time consuming. It just. I, I think with um, as far as a blog goes, I do not keep a blog. I just I keep a website, which is the one of the requirements that is placed upon us in in our division that we update a, uh, a basically a teacher like site one, at least once a week with information about our class. Well, what I've done is actually uh, put a script on my site that forwards the parent to my personal, not personal, but a site that I have, you know, complete control over uh, when it comes to how the content is presented because the the one that the school gives you looks terrible. And I just say, okay, just forward to uh, myfreedomband.org. And that's where I I keep all the stuff going on, which has the links to Twitter and has the the RSS news feeds to everything and the calendar of the year, uh, the the school year and and everything like that. And it is very time consuming and just uh, keeping up with it is is a big headache. Uh, And anything that I've seen and I've started to feel guilty about this, but I keep kind of a a rolling history uh, on mine. And so... I'll go to whatever was happening last year in September when it's when it says welcome students to 2010. <laughs> I look at that and I'm like okay change the 10 to to change the 0 to a 1 and 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 double check everything and uh cuz it's so time consuming and then I just post it right back up knowing that a most of the parents probably haven't read it and b if they did they don't remember what they read a year ago so that has actually saved me a little bit of time it's just just archiving what i've done already <laughs> you know that that is that is a topic that we're going to be hitting actually at the end of this week i have a few principals coming on talking about how to maximize your time using technology and, it, and it's things like that that you said you know why try and reinvent re- reinvent the same wheel you reinvented last year Exactly. You know, it, it, for myself, I know I have the same syllabus that I've used for the last couple of years. I updated a little bit, changed some of the grading policy, but you know, every year we're not going to go out and remake A, B, and C here. So no. I'm, I'm glad you brought up stuff like that. I don't know if you guys have been watching the news, but it seems like sometime September, October, um, Apple's going to be hitting our pocketbooks again with new iPhones, possibly, maybe a new iPad 3. Um, I'd like to talk to you guys or get your opinions on some things. I'm the type of person that stands in the hallway in between classes, and I greet all of my kids, usually by name, as they walk in with, you know, hi, how you doing, how was your day kind of thing. And, And I always have my iPhone with me. And and the kids always look at me and say, "Oh, Mr. Bradbury, you're 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 text messaging, you're playing whatever." And 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 I said, "No, I'm sitting here taking attendance. I've you know, and I'll show them. I have my attendance app out. Um, I recently got my iPad and I've got it working in the class, and I'm noticing that the kids can't take their hands off of it. And in fact, <laughs> they're now coming up to me saying, can, can I can I can I do the attendance today?'" And I'm <laughs> like, "These are high school kids." Yeah, but they're giddy as, as 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 anything to sit there and put the little check mark on it because you know on an iPad screen you can usually get the kids' photos up there and and they'll they'll take over the classroom and, and take my attendance for me. Of course, I check myself at the end. But um, what are you guys finding any differences between using your iPhone and using your iPad in the class or in daily teachings? Um, certainly, the, the the phone I got scowls from. 
especially other teachers, especially ones that are you know a little older, um, don't really understand that I'm not really it's not a toy. Uh, it is a toy, actually, but I'm not using it as a toy at the moment. But uh, the, and the kids will look at me a little bit funny. But with the iPad, most of the time the kids just go, "Is that an iPad?" And just the fact that they they ask that question and they it, it, it's a little bit different. They're just like they see an apple on the back of my my computer and they think I'm rich or something. <laughs> I'm just like, no, no, you don't understand. It's just. It's an investment. You have to understand. I'm a, you know, this, this is, these are the tools that I use to to do my job, and um, th- and th- the iPad they seem to take a little bit more seriously as an educational tool than my phone. So uh, it's a little bit easier to work with the iPad, but I don't let my kids touch the the thing because I just can't imagine them one of them dropping it, and then I go, you know, that's uh, I think the the 32 gig 3G model. So good luck replacing that. <laughs> I, I have a really nice thick case on mine, and, and they don't they don't remove it from my desk. But they'll sit there at my chair as I'm getting the projector ready, and, and they'll do their attendance, and they love it. Uh, C- Carrie, have you come up with any differences between people looking at you on a phone versus a pad? Or um, n- no, not really. I think they they realize that the iPad is more uh, prestigious. I would say because you can't really necessarily make a call on it. They think that you're doing something <laughs> of more value than just making a phone call. They don't put the connection with the apps and, and all of that. But the other day at our open house, I had my iPad sitting out um, at a table in front of my classroom and parents were coming and going in. I had the little website for our school up and you know, par- several people were coming by saying, oh, is that an iPad? Is that an iPad? I said, yes. And some kids were getting a little unruly, little small children. And so I just popped up Angry Birds and let them play on it. I don't have a problem letting kids play with the iPad as long as it's sitting still. <laughs> I, I, I do like putting the Angry Birds on my projection screen. And you have a 10-foot wide Angry Birds in high def. <laughs> It is fun. It yeah. is the best thing to do on a Friday night when, when, <laughs> right. when you know the kids just don't want to be there anymore, and it's been a long week, or you're going into a holiday. You, you throw in some Angry Birds, and those kids are amazing for you. Right, but, you know, that's definitely a good reward. <laughs> I, I hear the same few stories from from teachers as I'm talking to them. You know, we have these meetings at the beginning of school, and it's always the same meeting of. You know, we want to embrace technology. We want you to do well. We want to move into the 21st century. Rah, 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 technology. And then five minutes later, it's iPads are great, and we just got all these iPads and rah, 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 technology. And then five minutes later, it's put your phone away. And and I'm always looking at that going, but the iPad and the iPhone are running the same exact technology, the same exact apps in some cases. In some cases, the iPhone actually has more options than the ipad i think it's a it's a social it's i don't know if it's a stigma or or what but i don't know probably 20 not 20 15 years ago maybe it it was considered rude to have your cell phone in public um and and out and talking on it in a restaurant you were considered every i don't know how how far back you guys go but it, it was just considered rude and um Nowadays, everybody does it, and it's fine. And we've just kind of entered this area where everybody's kind of looking down at their phone all the time. And uh, now the iPad's out. It's just a larger version. And I think 
probably within the next three or four years, it's 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 going to be a, a paradigm shift from from thinking this is this is just a toy. Probably how the computer was viewed viewed in the eighties to you know this is a tool as well. So I think I think we're just starting to see the beginning of that. I've had kids when I'm teaching technology in my classroom. Let's say I I do a podcasting lesson in my music history class where they have to go out and and do a a project instead of teaching them how to stand up and, and give a speech we'll actually do group presentations on you know give a give a podcast so they need to learn how to use iMovie GarageBand etc cetera, etc cetera. sometimes the websites are blocked i have no problem with a kid coming in with their iPhone and using it on the internet to get information um, the, I guess the question I'll pose is, would you guys have a problem if the kid pulled out his iPad and started using it for research in your classroom? I, w- I wouldn't have a problem, but there's no cell phone signal in my room. <laughs> I'm in a dead zone. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. How- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, are you, you're definitely saying iPad or iPhone. Well, let's assume that there was Wi-Fi in your school. Okay, let's just say there, there that, let's assume that the yeah. kid could get on. Now there's a lot of issues of do you give the kids the Wi-Fi password, but but either way, would you have a problem with the kid pulling out his iPad and using it for research versus pulling out his phone and having his phone on there at the same time? Phones have voice recorders, you can pull a Bluetooth keyboard on an iPhone, you can do everything that you want to on an iPad on an iPhone or iPod touch basically. Right, and here's here's what I just want to touch base on about this because there has been in my school district a problem with kids with cell phones and recording and posting things on YouTube. It really breaks down to teacher um, and student. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm making sure that the teacher is supervising and and not just stuck at their desk. You know, you've got to be up and moving around the room and and being aware of what your students are doing. Mm-hmm. Keeping them engaged, I think. Exactly, exactly. Because, like I said, in, in my district, there have been problems with the teacher being totally disengaged, sitting at the desk, and a fight breaking out and being uh, videotaped and posted on YouTube. So oh, right. that would be my problem with it. But, again, I am the type of teacher that doesn't sit down and... I'm always walking around my room. Mm-hmm. That's I, I, not saying that's not going to happen in my room because, you know, they are kids. They're pretty clever. But you just have to be very, very diligent. And I guess, no, I wouldn't have a problem as long as I'm very aware of what's going on. I, I would actually say that, that I would be uneasy with, with, the, with the cell phone versus the iPad uh, just because it's a, a text messaging powerhouse, the cell phone. And it, let's let's just say, f- for argument's sake, that that you know you're going to get a signal in most places, and uh, the kids are going to the bathroom just to text each other f- where I'm at because the cell phones are not allowed out. Um, and it's, I don't know; it's just one of those things where if I see a cell phone out, I know that they're texting somebody or looking at a text, and that that's that's been one of the bigger issues for us. Uh, the iPad can do texting too. It's just not as easy to do uh, with a straightforward phone number texting plan. You can get around it, but um, that 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 cell phone's going to pop up with a text message if the kid's sitting there in front of it and using it. 
at least if I were their age, it would. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think this has been a great conversation, guys. Thank you so much for just bringing your, your experiences and wealth of knowledge. Do you guys have your iPads on you? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, um, we've come to the, the app discussion, or as we've calling it, the, these are a few of my favorite apps. Um, <laughs> Carrie, let's go with you first, and then we'll go to Chris and give us an app. Tell us what it's about and, you know, either why you use it or how you use it in the classroom. And, and uh, I'm really anxious to, to, you know, hear what you guys come up with. Okay. Um, the first one I'm going to mention is uh, Grammar Up, and that's actually an iPhone app. But I do run it on my iPad because I'm an English teacher and, and who doesn't like grammar after all? You're talking uh, to two music teachers here. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, um, there are a few other um, grammar apps for the iPad, but the one I actually really like is this iPhone app because it allows you to test and and do different things in regards to the different parts of speech uh, and just scroll th- through the, the menu here. You can do nouns, you can do adverbs and adjectives, and there's... Um, a test, like I said, you can take a test on any of those different subcategories. And like I said, I project that onto my big screen and the students go through and work in partners to get that uh, that app accomplished. Nice, nice. Um, is that called Grammar App HD by chance? Uh, it's, hold on just a second, let me. It is Grammar Up. Up as in UP? Yes. Grammar up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just trying to make sure we have the right show notes here. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Let me see. As, as far as classroom uh, instruction goes, I, I have to use a lot of Windows-specific software. So as what I've set up on a, one of the school computers, and it's called iTeleport. And this is kind of – it's not a, it's not that difficult, but most people uh, would find that this is kind of a neat way to use the iPad. That's a little bit different. I have my my grade book software on a computer in the room, and I have installed iTeleport on that computer. Now I have an app on my iPad called iTeleport as well, and it speaks to that computer and just displays that screen on my iPad, and with the multitasking capability of the iPad being able to go back and forth here or there. I'm able to have my grade book, which is running in Windows, on my iPad, which which I think is is really pretty awesome. Um, and not running on my iPad, but running on a computer 20 feet away. Um, and then being able to print or do whatever you, you need from the computer as well. Very, very handy to do that. Um, there's actually a couple of uh, other tools that I, that I use as well. One is really silly called um, iBanner HD, where you basically type a few words and it's like the Vegas lights. Mm-hmm. It just goes across with, with a message. And the kids, if you got a big crowd of kids and you want to get something done without screaming in the hallway, if it has to be more quiet, you can hold that sign up and it gets their attention very quickly. That's, um, what was I called? That iBanner nice. HD. Nice. I think I think it was free as well. I teleport is not free. That one was probably 
12 or 15 bucks or so. Looks like there was a $24 version and a $19 version. Oh, they must they may have raised the price on that. But uh um, I, I banner looks really really neat. Um a couple of the ones that I was looking at, um, Chris had already mentioned Keynote. Now, Keynote is like PowerPoint, but they've got a great app for the iPad, and I use it for my presentations. But I want to piggyback that and say if you're going to do Keynote, you got to get the Keynote remote. And, and really what the Keynote remote does is let's say you're running Keynote on your laptop or on your on your desktop computer – through your projector, you can take that iPad or iPhone with the remote app and walk all around the room and still control your keynote presentations. The remote is basically, as, as you said, it's a remote, but it also can show you the presenter notes. It can show you the next slide. It shows you all the builds. They just released over the last few months an upgrade where you can now control the iPad keynote version with the iPhone, so you can cut out the computer completely. Uh, I just did a concert where I was running a big pre- uh, presentation on my off of my iPad, and I controlled it with my iPhone, and I was completely able to walk around the room. Um, so many times with that projector cable, we're kind of tethered to the uh, to the screen, but uh, with this iPad remote, we're absolutely free. And so that would be one of my apps. Uh, uh, Carrie, give me another app. Um. I really like GarageBand because we, um, when we do a piece of literature, we like to make podcasts, and GarageBand is an excellent um, app for doing that. And you use it on the iPad as well as the Mac? <coughs> I will be. Excuse me. I will be using it on the iPad this year as, um, as opposed to just having it in the on the regular computers, yes. Have you it's, tried using a, it with the camera kit? No, not yet. Here's a tip for you guys out there. For twenty nine ninety nine, Apple sells this thing called the iPad camera kit. Now, it has a lot of features if you're using it with a camera. But there's two little devices that you can plug into your iPad. One of them is a USB port, and the other one is a little um, SD card reader. But if you plug in the the attachment that has the USB port, now all of a sudden your iPad has a whole another world to it. Um, if you're using GarageBand, you can plug in a USB microphone to it. I have actually done a lot of podcasting strictly through the USB mic sl- slots and using GarageBand. And for Chris, you can actually plug in a USB MIDI keyboard. Oh, yeah. And so now you're playing the digital keyboard that GarageBand has, but you're doing it through a five, eight octave MIDI keyboard. So there's a lot of possibilities out there with that um, iPad camera kit. And there's so many more things out there. If you just uh, do a Google search for iPad camera kit and, you know, what else can you do with it? But uh, I I had to bring that one up with GarageBand. There's so many good possibilities. I just did an app review on GarageBand today. That's so much fun to use just to just to waste time, just to sit around and, and play with, with GarageBand it's on the iPad. And I don't know. They just really nailed it with that one. They, it's just so much fun to use. Chris, give us another app. Well, when, when I don't have to use my gradebook, I like to use an app called Teacher's Assistant Pro. And this is actually one of the apps that uh, I developed. 
And what it does is it tracks student behavior, and it's always open. This is what I usually have open uh, beside my gradebook when I'm multitasking. And from the time I can open my smart cover, the app is already open. I tap a student's name and basically tap uh, there's a pre-selected list that you can put in ahead of time of maybe what the what the students have done in the past, from forgetting their instrument to forgetting their pencil to their homework or talking back or doing something good. It doesn't oft, always have to be bad, but then from from the time I'm opening the smart cover to actually documenting something a student's done in class that maybe mom and dad or the principal needs to know about, maybe at eight to ten seconds. Uh, and it's real quick, real easy to use, and uh, that's that's. I basically wrote it for myself, to be honest with you, because there just wasn't anything out there that just focused on the behavioral issues that we have to deal with in the classroom. Carrie, your app. Uh, my next app would have to be. And this sounds kind of funny, but it's called Puppet Pals HD, and it basically is an app that you can. Uh, import photographs and then cut them to make little puppets out of them. It sounds very silly, but it's very, very cool. Um, and you can actually tell a story. And you can record audio. So you can have the students maybe summarize something using little puppets or pictures or whatever. And it's, it's very, very cool. Um, I haven't used it in my classroom because I just got it like over the summer, but I've already used it with my with my two small my two smaller kids and they really enjoy it. And I see it as an English teacher. You could use it to have students plot diagram a story, um, character analysis, um, conflict, the different types of conflict, and they could even create their own drawings. And you can you could scan those in and then uh, utilize those in this app. So there are a lot of different options with it. You know, every year my administrators want me to keep track of our parents' contacts. And, you know, they, they want us to make a list and keep a journal of every time we talk to a kid or, or make a phone call, email home. And I found an app that's just known as C, the letter C, Journal, C Journal. And basically what it can do is it can import names from your address book. And it's available for both the iPhone and iPad. But it, it imports the names and contacts from your address book, and it helps you keep a list of every time you've made a phone call, uh, written a text message, um, talked to a, uh, an individual, and it just keeps a journal and just keeps a log of every interaction you've had with different people. And then at the end, you can email that to yourself or to your administrator, and uh, it's a great little app, C Journal. Uh, Chris, what's your next? Um. Actually, uh, a little hardware-software combo. The Airport Express I use all the time. And what this is is basically an Internet router. You plug it into the wall. It's about the size of a little uh, deck of cards. And you plug it into a printer. It's got a USB port. And then there's a a headphone jack on it you plug into a set of speakers. And I can use my laptop, my iPhone, or my iPad to stream music from the uh, iPod app or from uh, sound off of just about any other app um, like YouTube or anything like that. 
right through the the speakers you might have in your classroom if you're doing something um, that involves music. So I, I find myself always, you know, pulling out an example of repertoire in, in, in the classroom and letting the kids hear um, something that they may not have been exposed to before. But doing it wirelessly, um, along with being able to print wirelessly, is uh, is pretty pretty cool too. That is a neat idea. I've been looking at getting something like that, and, and you said that you, you can plug your iPod into the airport, and then wirelessly that goes around to your speakers. Well, the the little it's a not even the size of like the the power brick that comes with your um, power or your your power Mac, your your MacBook Pro or your MacBook, and uh, it basically plugs into the wall, it plugs into the internet, and it plugs into speakers. The rest is wireless. And how much does that run? It's about eighty bucks, I think now. Hmm. And it's small, right? You don't have to leave it in one spot for safety reasons. You can take that with you. No, it's really, really easy. It was kind of designed for travelers, I think, to begin with, like the air, the, the 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 people for hotel usage, things like that. Um, but it it works really great. I, I think I've had the two that I own now. I have one at home hooked up to my home stereo, so I can just you know right away just listen to something on the home stereo. And uh, the one at school, I think I've had them almost seven or eight years, and they just they just keep trucking. They're great. Very nice. And do you have much setup for that, or does it just all plug and play? It's instant. As soon as you plug it into your network, your choice on your iPod actually will have a, a little button that asks you to switch from your personal device. It'll say iPod, and then you can put a check mark next to that other device, and you can call it you know, classroom stereo, and then when you touch classroom stereo, it's just going to project onto that stereo instead. Hmm. Uh, Carrie, what else do you have? I have Roadshow. Roadshow. Let's see what that one is. What is and Roadshow? That just enables you to search um, various videos that are um, online and you can save them and you don't need a network connection to to have it now you have to have the space available it doesn't allow you to download and save um, some YouTube videos but teacher tube you could get that and and save on on your device um, I used it in Philadelphia I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I think it's um, a good opportunity to to keep your stuff in a certain collection. There's a little shelf you can keep the videos on in by collection. It's it's pretty neat. Nice, nice. Well, um, I'm a big believer in Dropbox. I, I talk about it often, and and Dropbox is as I think we might have mentioned earlier. It's a cloud based online storage system and as a music teacher i'm always trying to find ways to record my kids and use it and i found an app called drop vox d-r-o-p-v-o-x and it's a real simple um audio recorder but the kick of it is as soon as you're finished with the audio recording and you hit stop it automatically takes that recording and inserts it into your dropbox folder Cool. So you don't have to worry about syncing. It's automatically there. And I don't remember the price. I don't think it was much, if any. 
But uh, just a really neat app. I've been using it when I teach my private lessons, and uh, it's just instant access. I can hook it up to my students' Dropbox account, and as soon as the lesson's over, they automatically have the recording of their lesson in their computer ready to listen to. Awesome. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Uh, Evernote. And I think uh, Evernote is basically your your note-taking app on steroids. And it's great for a couple of reasons. Like Dropbox, it's free for so many uh, gigs, and then they want to charge you. Um, but uh, Evernote has completely replaced my my note-taking app uh, because it can record audio notes. Uh, it can record regular notes if you're t- at a faculty meeting, and I know how, how much we take notes at faculty meetings. But the, the, the bottom line is it... it Synchronized with another server, so if you if if you have either a computer, I believe Windows, Mac, if you got a iPad, an iPhone, uh, no matter which one you jump on, it's going to synchronize to the other version, and it's all free. And uh, you can upload PDFs, and it'll do character recognition and make the PDF searchable. It um, actually will even do uh, what's called data detection, which is really really kind of cool when you when you put in a date and a time for example it'll when you tap that date or time in the note it'll just ask you do you want to create an iCal event out of it uh, automatically so it really plays to Apple's strengths using uh, their their software so great note taking app uh, that uh, I use all the time and it does great things with photos as well storing them not so not so much in in as a as a classroom tool but uh, as far as as just jotting down ideas that you have in the middle of nowhere. It's great because if you've got your phone with you and you think, oh, I should have said this or that, you just jot it down. The next thing you know, you're in front of class and you have that information already synced up. It's pretty cool. Right. And uh, in addition, to piggyback on that, you can also do audio recordings and save it that way too. So that's cool. Yeah, love it. I mean, for free, I, I, I did pay for a couple of premium months when I took a trip and I actually photographed every kid's uh, medical form, put it in Evernote, and I didn't have to lug the forms around with me to uh, our destination. I usually have a, a big pile of forms and I just said, no, I'm using my camera. And I photographed every single form, put it in Evernote, and um, it asked for the upgrade fee because I was going beyond my, my free part. And I was like glad to pay. It was five bucks, I think, for the month. And uh, then I could I could very high resolution, you know, pull out that, that kid's information if I needed it while we were away from school. Now, Chris, in the summertime months, do you find yourself going back over your files and listening to those faculty meetings? All the time. That's all I do. I just uh, <laughs> right. bathe myself in, in faculty notes. Well, you'll, you'll be having some new ones coming up, so uh, make sure that that iPad battery is, uh, is charged up. I, I, oh, yeah. I want to... Piggyback on to the, the Dropbox idea I, and, and you know, syncing back and forth, I found an app called CameraSync. And, and there's a few different apps on the App Store that are like this. But basically what CameraSync is, it'll take all of the photos that are on your iPod, iPad, uh, iPad and sync them up to your Dropbox account or your iDisk. I, I, my, my wife recently got a new computer and she had about 500 uh, photos on her phone that she wasn't able to use um, effectively, and I tried plugging everything in, and it was just too slow. But as soon as I put Camera Sync on, 
it wirelessly just popped into her Dropbox account, and we were good to go, and we didn't have to sync anything through iTunes. It was already right there. So, camera sync. Um, Carrie, give us uh, give us your give us two last ones. Okay, um, one that I've been using for a couple of years, and they they basically just came out with an iPad app for it is Planbook. Yes, um, we had we had uh, Chris uh, we had Jeff on the other day doing Planbook. Right. It's a great app. I, I have to commend him on his customer service. I have been really excited to share with my um, my colleagues the ease of use of that program as well as just the customer support has just been amazing. Anytime I have a problem, he has been there. I mean, I've emailed him in like on a weekend. He was like, well, let me help you. Yes. It's just amazing. I just can't say enough about that program. I love it. Do you use both the iPad and the Mac version? Yeah, well, I ha- yes, I have it on my on my MacBook, and it syncs seamlessly with Dropbox through Dropbox. I mean, and it's amazing. It literally sitting on my desk, my iPad. The plan book is like better than the paper one <laughs> because it it coordinates. Um, you can attach documents to it. You can um, uh, attach the standards that you put in there. It's just amazing. I, I, I would love to talk w- with you more about that because I, I, I've been using it for the last little while, but after having Jeff on the, on the program and talking about how it works, and I did a screencast on it, um, which is up on iTunes, by the way. Right. Um, there's, there's just a lot of things in there I wasn't even aware about, but I, I like that he has that plan book connect feature where you can take all your documents yes. and information, pop it up on the server, and then your kids have access to seeing what's happening and downloading some of the lesson plans. I mean, if you're not really ready to go and, and full-blown go into making your own website, having something like PlanBook, it's, it's been really good for me. Exactly. And uh, give us one last one. Okay, one last one. Oh, my gosh. Um, I would have to say um, random. Random. Yeah, it's a number generator. <laughs> that from the English teacher, right? Um, but I just think that this is a really cute idea to number your students. From It allows you to a minimum number to a maximum number. And so you could like, oh, I have 26 kids in this class, 1 through 26. And then you just can call on students in that way to respond to a question and they see it on the on the iPad, and they oh oh well, my number came up oh I'm number twenty two or I'm number fifteen, <laughs> and then it, they're they're more inclined to want to participate because they see their number. I just I think that's going to be very very interesting. Do you also have like a side that. job in deli meats with that with that app? <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I, I, oh, because it's a number. I get it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Next. Yeah, I funny. will have to cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I get it now. No, you can see. You can leave it. And this is why my students look forward to the summertime. Chris, <laughs> uh, give me your last two. Um, let's see. For for me, the app ClearTune is is a tuner. A ClearTune. I think it's one word. It may be two in the, in the app store. But this is just a, a basic chromatic tuner for 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 music students. And uh, it's it's very visual, gives the kids an idea of, of where they are in regards to pitch. So for a music teacher, it's um, going to be obviously a little bit 
uh, more of a better pick. They just updated it days ago for iPad, and um, so it, I used to just hit the two X button and make it look bigger, and now it actually looks looks pretty nice on there. Um, and let's see if 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 I had to had to go with a, a, a last one, it would probably be Soundhound. And um, Soundhound is is basically you tap, um, and and again this this can be handy in the classroom if if you want to show kids what what some of the technology is is capable of doing. But it just listens, and it actually if you hum a song, it'll tell you what you're humming, hmm. and uh, it's it's actually quite amazing. So if if you just want to you know start you know singing a tune, and you're like, what song is that? You just fire this app up, and and it'll tell you. I and have to try that. It's 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 pretty remarkable because you can also uh, take it and put it in front of the TV if, if 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 there's a song on a commercial while people aren't speaking or something you're like what song is that and you get just a couple seconds of it it'll it'll look it up for you. Does it do Bach chorales? I I've tested it with a couple of classical tunes and it's done well. Really. It's it's been okay. It's not a hundred percent, but <laughs> I don't think it's just pop music. Now, if a student uh, hums or sight sings something and it doesn't recognize it, can we grade him on that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> really? Sure. I have got to try that. But I'll, I'll give you two last ones from my list here. The first, obviously, it just came out for the iPad, which is Skype. I mean, we're using it now. To have Skype on your iPhone was nice. To have Skype on your computer is nice. But to be able to put it on your iPad, have a crystal clear HD screen, plug it into your projector, be able to walk around. I mean, that just brings out a ton of possibilities. You now have video conferencing that you can walk around your classroom with wirelessly. Um, I'm really looking forward to being able to use Skype. And the last one, I don't know if you're into these things, Chris, but it's called Music Podium. Yeah. And basically what it is, it's it, it's it's a glorified PDF reader, but you know, for musicians it, it has a built-in search feature where you can search through some of the uh the free music libraries and download PDFs of different scores and whatnot. And the best part about it is it annotates on there. So yeah. if you're looking at a score or some music, you can circle it and you can highlight it. And, you know, it's not just for music. You can do it with iBooks, anything that's in EPUB or anything that's in PDF form. You can take your book and, and annotate it. So it's called Music Podium. Um, that's about it. I had Bento on here. I use Bento a lot, but it looks like we have a really nice app list for, uh, for teachers to go through. Um, I, I want to mention one more thing just for fun. Sure. This is an augmented reality app, which if people who are not familiar with, with augmented reality is it uses your camera to um, kind of feel out the space of, of, of where it is. Um, and you, they have constellation programs where you can point your device at the sky and it tells you exactly what star you're looking at and that type of thing. But in our classroom, music – it. One just came out in Japan, so the YouTube video was 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 not in English, and um, but somebody had posted a, a link to it somewhere, and is the coolest thing. It actually used the camera to read the music. It asked you to tap the rhythm for it, and then through its magicalness, played the score, and it was like that is just unbelievable. So it was reading the notes on the staff 
correctly, polyphonic, and um, really, really pretty amazing stuff. So I was like, that is just the neatest thing, that it can actually interpret those dots on the page just, just as easily as, as, as we can. Was it reading multiple clefs? Uh, it, the demonstration I saw was a score with multiple clefs, but they only had the camera pointing at one staff. That is nice. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give one last one since you mentioned augmented reality, and this has nothing to do with education. Have you guys tried Duck Hunt on the iPhone? No. Oh. Do you remember Duck Hunt from the, from uh, the Nintendo games? This is an yeah. augmented reality where it shows the grass and then it shows the dog coming out. And if you have an iPad 2, I think it works on the iPad 2, but it's definitely a a wonderful app for the iPhone. You have your little rifle, and you move your phone around. It's almost like having like a Wii controller here, but you move your phone around, and that's how you shoot at the ducks. It's the neatest thing, because (laughs) the background, instead of looking at clouds and sky, you're seeing your, you know, the back of your wall. Kind of like what, what the Nintendo 3DS is doing these days. Right. But uh, Duck Hunt, try it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure if it's free or not, but, but definitely try Duck Hunt. Well, I think we have a really neat list of, of everything going on here. Um, thank you guys so much for spending the time and, uh, and hanging out with us today and checking it out. Been a pleasure. Carrie, would yeah. you like to tell us uh, how we can get a hold of you? Uh, yes, I'm on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Carrie F, and my teacher Twitter um, is Yuma Teacher at Yuma Teacher. And Chris, how can we get a hold of you and tell us a little bit more about that app of yours? Um, the the app is called Teacher's Assistant, and there's a light version and a pro version. It's uh, on sale till the fifteenth, another week for four dollars in the U.S. It's available worldwide, um, and it will document your students' behavior from beginning to the end of the year. And when you're done, you can archive that and uh, st- start all over. So, sorry. The uh, way to reach me is uh, Twitter at CleverIOSApps. If you are interested in learning more about teacher's assistants, um I know a great website that has some really nice reviews on it. And uh, Chris was a great uh, addition to that website. Last week he came on and did an app spotlight on that. So check us out, Teacher's Assistant. It's on iTunes. It's also on our teachercast.net website. Um, I've been using that app for a while. I'm going to continue using that app. It's really simple to use to import all of your students. And, And you said the new features that it's now broken down by classes, right, Chris? Oh yeah, you can you can subdivide your student list into classes. Uh, you can replace any of the words in the app that you you would rather switch out instead of an action. You might call it a an infraction or uh, any of those types of things. You can you can customize the app to to basically whatever you want uh, as far as the words go. Then you can if you've got the phone, there's the the word phone is right there on the student name and. It calls the the parent right there, um, or you can blast an email right then and there. It's very 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 simple. It's designed to be easy to use and fast uh, in the classroom. So for iPhone and and iPad as well. So as a matter of fact, if you don't mind, I the the first I don't know ten we'll say first ten people who um, mention the show 
uh, I, I'll send them a free code to to download this, so you can put that on Twitter if you want. I don't care. Hey, that's great! Giving out ten free codes to that, and and, and I, I was sitting here chuckling because only a music teacher would say would use the term subdividing your classes. I yeah, like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dividing our classes into subgroups, whatever. <laughs> you said you said subdivide, and my foot started tapping. It's just a reaction. <laughs> Up and. One and, yes. <laughs> foot goes down on the beat, foot goes up on the and. Everybody, please. One <laughs> and, two, e, and, a. Well, um, I think on that note, we'll close things out. Thanks for listening to the TeacherCast podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, teachercast.net, to your friends and colleagues. We can be found on Twitter at the screen name TeacherCast. Be sure to check out our iTunes channel for TeacherCast products, podcasts, and app reviews that are beneficial to you, the 21st century educator. If you like what you hear, please write us a review and give us a five-star rating. This has been a TeacherCast production. Join us next time for another edition of the TeacherCast podcast.